Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Sean Burcham, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Glad to be with you. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from central Missouri. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the advantages and disadvantages of leveraging ESOPs in your organization. Now, you're an expert in this area. I'll let you unpack pack that and describe that a little bit here in just a moment. But before we get started, I wanted to share Sean's bio with everybody. Sean Burcham, author of Keeping Score with Grit, Straight Talk Strategies for Success, is the founder and CEO of PF. S Brands, which he and his wife truly started out of their home in 1998. The company has over 1,500 branded food service locations across 40 states and is best known for their Champs Chicken Franchise branch, which was started in 1999. Prior to starting PFS Brands, Bertram spent five years with a Fortune 100 company, Mid-America Dairymen, now Dairy Farmers of America. He also worked for three years as a regional sales manager for a Midwest Chester's Fried Chicken distributor. And again, today we're going to be talking about ESOPs, uh, which will be a fun conversation. I think it'll be a bit of a technical conversation, but a really important one for my listeners. Uh, but before we go there, anything else about yourself, your background that you would like to share with me or my listeners? No, nope, nothing on the background. <clears throat> I'll try to keep it at a 40,000 foot level and uh, we'll try to stay out of the technical weeds uh, uh, so we don't get too deep in the ESOP uh, uh, minutia, if you will. Just enough to have a healthy... Uh, understanding of the power and and perhaps a healthy fear of the potential um, problems uh, and how we can apply it. I think that'll be super helpful. All right, so let's start. There are many listening who I'm I'm sure are familiar with the term ESOP. Uh, Some who might, this might be a new term for them. So can you describe that for us? What does ESOP stand for? Why uh, is it important? And how common are they? Yeah, so ESOP stands for Employee Stock Ownership Plan, and ESOP at a, at a very high level, think of a 401k as a qualified retirement plan. So ESOPs in general are another form of a qualified retirement plan that ultimately transfers the shares and the ownership of the company to the employees. So that's a very high level. It's uh, structured very similar to a 401k. And uh, and and the the way it's regulated by ERISA and those types of things. So uh, that's that's really high level what ESOP stands for. It it is a way to transfer the ownership of the company to all of the employees uh, that work for the company. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And you you used another acronym that maybe people aren't familiar with, uh, ERISA. Can you just describe that really quickly and why that is relevant? ERISA is just the federal arm that regulates uh, retirement plans. So uh, every every individual retirement plan is regulated and, and looked over to protect the individuals uh, to make sure that no wrong wrongdoing uh, goes on with those retirement plans. Uh, they've been around uh, in particular to manage 401ks and uh, ultimately they're there to protect the investors. Yeah, it's about fiduciary responsibility and protection. Um, and yeah, so it's oversight on that. So that's, a, that's an important thing to note. All right. So how about um, this idea of how common they are and how much they're being implemented in organizations? I, I first became familiar with the term, oh man, 20 plus years ago, probably about 23, 24 years ago when I was a factory worker and they were rolling out an ESOP plan. Um, and at the time that was brand new to me and I had never heard of it before. And, uh, and since then I've, you know, I've heard more and more organizations doing something like this. Uh, what, what is your experience and how common are they? Yeah, I I would say they are, uh, I I would rate them as uncommon and unknown unless people like you have experienced, uh, or been a part of an ESOP. Uh, I speak to uh, people that are going through master's in in college, uh, business degree individuals, and the majority of of schools do not teach about ESOPs. Uh, They're they're just not, uh, they're they're, they're not common uh, in the form of, they're just not as well known, I guess. Generally, when people think of businesses, they think private equity, public, or an entrepreneurship. They don't really think of, hey, I could really be an owner in a company. So, uh, they are they are unique. Uh, they are beginning to gain some traction. I would say they are bipartisan partisan supported uh, because uh, you, you know they they support capitalism yet uh, they support employee ownership and and it's a big benefit for the employees. So uh, it, it's a great tool. I'm sure you'll get into some more questions, advantages, disadvantages, those types of things. Uh, they're not right for everybody. Uh, and again, we can have some some discussion on that, but I would say to answer your question, it, they're just not very well known and they are a unique beast. Yeah, yeah. And so because they're not very well known, that means they're not very widely implemented. Uh, and I think that represents a, a opportunity for organizations, especially in this labor market and in the current conditions with the great resignation as as organizations are really fighting to attract and retain good talent. You know, one one piece of your total compensation strategy and how you're trying to reward your people and to, you know, to get them to come and to stay uh, could be implementing ESOPs. And so for those who are unfamiliar with it, I think it's important for them to consider it at least and see how it might potentially fit in to a broader strategy uh, and enhance what you're already doing uh, again, for the benefit of the organization and for your people. Uh, so with that, and, and you kind of alluded to it just a minute ago, what do you see as some of the major advantages first and then disadvantages? Yeah, I think to, to your point, you're beginning to see, and anybody that study, studies the workforce and the, the aging workforce that we have, we, we know we have a lot of baby boomers and a lot of baby boomer entrepreneurs that are looking for exit strategies. So 
that, that was not necessarily me, but a, a good reason to potentially start an ESOP is that you've got a company, uh, you wanna do the best thing for your employees and your community, and you wanna protect them and you don't necessarily have an interest in selling out to private equity or a big public company, not knowing what's gonna to happen to your employees. So an ESOP strategy for an exiting entrepreneur, exiting business owner is, is something that they should look at. It, it, it is a way to transfer the wealth and still have a liquidity event as an owner to transfer that. So advantages, I would say, are you, you protect the culture, you protect the employees, uh, all those people that help you get to where you're at. Uh, you give them some type of benefit. Uh, you protect the communities that you're in, not knowing what might happen to those jobs if you sell out to a large public company or private equity. Uh, if you're an S corporation, there are some significant tax advantages. 100% uh, owned S corporations do not pay federal or state income taxes in most states. Uh, while that sounds great, uh, all of the, remember all of that wealth is being transferred to all of the employee owners who ultimately pay taxes very similar to a 401k. When they exit and retire, they have all those shares that have created wealth and have grown for them they ultimately pay those taxes very similar to a 401k. So it's not a tax exempt entity, it's a tax deferred entity, uh, but there are some uh, cash flow advantages that come along with that. Uh, biggest advantages for me is really just uh, uh, rewarding all of the people that have helped and continue to help a company get, get to where it's at. So those are kind of the advantages. The, 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 the disadvantages that most owners would talk about is Hey, it's a little bit extra structure. You, know, you have a board of directors. You do actually now have a structure. Some companies already have that. So that may not be perceived as a disadvantage. Many entrepreneurial companies don't necessarily have a, a really good board structure. So a little disadvantage there. And I think from an ego standpoint, you, you actually don't own the company anymore. Uh, if you go to a 100% employee owned company, hey, you don't own the company. And there's, there's a little bit of fear there that you don't, quote, run the company. Uh, so uh, that, that's kind of the, the reasons people say, well, I'm not really quite ready to exit. I haven't created my wealth yet. Whatever the reasons might be, which are all valid reasons. Entrepreneurs, I, I, I love the success of entrepreneurs. I love capitalism. I, I love being around successful people, hearing their stories. But that's, that's kind of the disadvantages. Maybe they're not quite ready to give up complete ownership. And there's, there are ways to ease into the ESOP without giving it, giving a hundred percent ownership. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really important point is that it's not a all or nothing dichotomy, like the, you can't ease into it. And that, that's something to think about. And I think in terms of advantages um, for employees that, you know, just like an owner likes to feel like they own the business and, and they're driving it and they're creating wealth and everything. When when you have a structure in place to be able to spread that across employees in the business, now there's actually quite a bit of research on this and the power that that has in terms of long-term strategic thinking, uh, sustainable effort and productivity, and overall creativity and innovation of people in the organization who have a different level of investment now because, because they're part owners of the organization. Uh, and, and so it, it can be a powerful motivator. It can be a powerful culture builder. It can be a way uh, to really help people feel like they're part of something important, bigger than themselves and important to the community, uh, you know, to them and their families. And, and ultimately, you know, that can increase the likelihood of retention of good people uh, and a whole slew of other 
positive thing. So I would add that to the, the advantages column as well. Yeah, employee engagement, uh, thinking and acting like an owner, ha- having a stake in the outcome of what, what you actually help create and build, all, all of those things are, are great points, John. Uh, I will say it takes a lot of work. Uh, To me, it's no different than having it. And we we were this company. We had a very engaged ownership thinking, open book leadership company before we went ESOP, which is very unusual. Most ESOPs are the complete opposite. They they go and they create this ESOP thinking, oh, here's the magic bullet. I'm going to give ownership out to all of our employees. And all of a sudden, things are going to change. The reality of that is nil. Uh, unless you teach and, and coach and, and help them yeah. understand what ownership means, uh, an ESOP could have zero impact. So that's yeah, they're, they're, to, to that point, to yeah. that point, there's no magic bullet. So whether we're talking about ESOPs or a thousand other things, you know, that someone could point to and say, oh, this is going to be the thing that we're going to do. And all of a sudden it's going to change everything. There's no magic bullet and there's no like easy answer. All of any of those things that you might try, including ESOPs are going to take work. It, it's change. It requires um, coaching and mentoring and helping to train and, and helping your people to understand what is happening, why it's happening that way, all of that. And unless you do the work of it, just changing things in a way to offer an ESOP, you know, kind of situation isn't necessarily going to do anything to your point. And most people won't even understand what you're doing unless you have an educational campaign around it and help them understand what that means for them. Right. Right. Our, our coaching company called Grit Business Coaching is, is a result of us going to employee ownership conferences, uh, both as we were learning about an ESOP and then even after we became an ESOP, people just started asking us a lot of questions of how, how do you create such a culture? And we already had that. So uh, people kept asking these questions and we thought, man, we've got something kind of special here. So we created a coaching company as one of our, uh, you know, it's owned uh, mostly by the ESOP. And it's it's another way that we help companies create employee engagement, strategic plans and open book leadership. And we help them, whether you're an ESOP or not ESOP, we help them create the cultures that drive businesses forward because of engagement. Yeah, excellent, excellent points. So, what what do you see? You know, as we move into the future, you said the, these are fairly rare, not superly well understood or implemented. Why do you think current leaders aren't really um, embracing this? Why aren't future business leaders learning more about ESOPs? And what do you see? You know, in the next five to ten years in terms of how ESOPs might be leveraged in organizations. Yeah, uh, advocates like myself, uh, our, our company, uh, others out there, uh, ESOP Association, uh, National Center of Employee Ownership, uh, there, there's multiple different peoples trying to push this and make it uh, more aware. I, I think the biggest reason they're not more popular is because of the unawareness, uh, the, the option out there. Uh, many entrepreneurs in particular just don't even know about this and don't think about it. Uh, many CPAs are not familiar with it. They're not recommending it to their exiting clients. Uh, and, it, and it's just a little more difficult than just selling and being done. I mean, there, there's a lot of owners that just say, man, I'm just completely done. I don't want anything to do. And they haven't done a good job of succession planning. So th- those owners are, are probably better suited to find somebody else to take that company. 
if, if you've done a little bit better job of succession planning and you've put a little more thought into it, and it doesn't take many years to get there, then ESOP could be a viable model. And certainly size of the company, all of those things uh, play into to the model. But if you're, a, if you're a small company that has done a good job and you've been seeing growth year over year, ESOP is really just something you should look at. Yeah, and with, I mean, there's so many private companies up for sale each year. I have actually a couple of good friends that that's their, their business is helping uh, companies uh, sell, uh, helping owners sell and, and the buying and selling of companies. Um, there's a lot out there that people are trying to do. Uh, how, how would you know if ESOP is a, a good solution for you versus just a traditional sale of your company? Yeah, it really does take uh, just some investigation. I can't give you a broad answer for that. There, there's no real magic bullet. You do have to be of a certain size to justify it. Uh, the, the other thing is you could seek out an employee-owned company that might acquire you. That's another exit strategy. Uh, we, we are not a merger and acquisition broker of any kind, but our company does help uh, transitioning owners with those decisions. Uh, as part of what we do as well, but we're, we're certainly not a, a broker in any way, shape or form. We're just ultimately trying to give good advice to owners on, on how they can transition successfully. Yeah. So I, I the answer is it depends, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It depends on the specific. There, no, a, no, it makes sense. And, and every, every context is different. So you have to take that into account. Uh, but I guess, you know, the message I'm hearing is look into it because it might turn out to be a good option for you. Uh, and don't automatically dismiss it, uh, especially if it's not something you've considered before, because uh, yeah. it might be useful. Um, yeah, I've, known, I've known people that have transitioned with very few employees. I mean, even less than five. I mean, that's not typically mm. the ideal, but it, it really has to do with the mindset of the owner and what they're, what they, what type of financial situation they're in and ultimately what their mental mindset is of what they're trying to accomplish, what legacy they might be able to leave. All of those things come into play. Hey, if it's all about the money, uh, typically yeah. that's not the best candidate for an ESOP because uh, that they're, they're just, mo- and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. F- founders have started their company. Uh, they may decide, man, I, I need such for so, so much for retirement. Uh, that, that's, all, that's all part of the planning process and what people need to do to, to do what's best for them in retirement and what, what they want to leave uh, behind them. Yeah. And I, and I know there are some parts of the country here in the U S um, some state or local areas that might even provide some sort of local aid uh, around ESOPs. Can you speak to that a little bit and uh, places where it might be more feasible just because of that support? Yeah, there's, there's both aid and support. So many, many states are actually creating their own uh, ESOP associations, Missouri being one of the, the most recent that has created an actual association that, that talks more about ESOPs and education. From a financial standpoint, the biggest aid, if you will, right now, uh, well, well, there's two things going on. Some of those state ESOP associations are actually providing some type of aid to pay for the discovery process. So that would be point number one. And then many states, including Missouri, have come up with, uh, for the selling owner, some capital gains incentive to uh, reduce or eliminate the capital gains portion from the state that might uh, be a result. And, and why that's important for the states, going back to what I talked about early on, is if, if these companies that are all transitioning either A, go away, which many of them are, they're just quitting and they, they're non-existent 
which is unfortunate for our capitalistic country. And or two, if they get sold out to a large public company or private equity, those jobs could very well and in many cases do leave the state. So the states are very vested in trying to keep these jobs and these entrepreneurs and creating more capitalism within their state. So I'm highly supportive of our chapter in Missouri and anything that's going on here in any state that supports ESOPs. Yeah, wonderful. So again, something to look into to see if your state has those towards those sorts of supports, that sort of aid. Sean, it has been a real pleasure. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, first and foremost, go to Amazon and uh, check out uh, Keeping Score with Grit. Grit is G-R-I-T-T, so Keeping Score with Grit. I would appreciate uh, taking a look at the book, the Audible version, the Kindle version. You can contact me, reach me at www.shawn, S-H-A-W-N, last name Burcham, B-U-R-C-H-A-M.com, seanburcham.com. Last word on the subject, thank you, John, very much for hosting me. Uh, Appreciate the opportunity to be here, and uh, anybody can reach out if they would like to learn some more about ESOPs. I'm always passionate about talking about ESOPs and cultures and uh, anything regarding business. I'm a little bit warped. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Sean. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Sean and his team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Sean Bertram about the advantages and disadvantages of leveraging ESOPs in your organization.